Hello, you're listening to Hello Francis, a podcast for creatives and entrepreneurs seeking knowledge, purpose, and community. Brought to you by creative firm and solutionist agency, Francis Roy, every episode is recorded at our headquarters in Niceville, Florida. We're excited to share our lineup of guests, friends, and mentors, all willing to share with you their diverse wisdom and experience. So happy to have you with us today. Let's get started. You're listening to Hello Francis. I'm your host, Chantel Dedeke, and this is part two of our three part series on intrinsic motivation in the workplace. And last week, Hill and I introduced autonomy, right, Hill? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you guys loved that. We loved it too. The inspiration of this three part series really comes from Daniel Pink's book, Drive. And that was released in 2009. And a lot of the factors for that still hold true. We work a lot on intrinsic motivation here at our agency, here at Francis Roy. And we have a special guest. You guys know him, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hello. Greg is our website and podcast guy. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what his Zoom link says. But Greg runs our website department here at Francis Roy and is also an Enneagram 5. And if you know anything about Enneagram 5s, I feel like 5s are defined by this mastery component. What do you think, Greg? For sure. I mean, at least for me anyway, with type fives is that we try so many different things and we're very investigative. And whenever we do find something, or at least whenever I find something that I really enjoy, or I'm really motivated to do, I am obsessed with being the best that I can be on that. So this is, this is your episode. <laughs> this is your episode. We'll just sit back. Yeah. <laughs> We'll just say that. So Greg is, for those of you guys who haven't met him, I mean, he is our resident autodidact for sure. And has in the last couple of years, in the last few years, not only really developed and started our website department here at Francis Roy, which is kicking up. We have great clients there and we've launched so many cool websites, but also learned a 3D print, written a book, you know, started his own business. But I would say probably in a way that is like, always with the intention of mastery. And so we will talk about over the next, what, 15, 20 minutes, Mm -hmm. these three components of intrinsic motivation, which we introduced last week. And I just want to read here on Daniel Pink's, their mindtools.com. There's a really great article about these three key components and mastery. I just want to read this little section here. So mastery is the desire to improve If you are motivated by mastery, you'll likely see your potential as being unlimited and you'll constantly seek to improve your skills through learning and practice. Someone who seeks mastery needs to attain it for its own sake. For example, an athlete who is motivated by mastery might want to run as fast as she possibly can. Any medals that she receives are less important than the process of continuous improvement. So there are definitely other numbers who are focused on this hill. I think that you also work on mastery a lot. I I really think that everybody on our team to a certain extent works Mm -hmm. on mastery a lot, but what is this? Why are we motivated by mastery? Do you think, Greg? Like, what is that drive? I can at least say on my end that, or at least with my personal experience is a lot of my motivation for trying different things, becoming better at different things is actually motivated by boredom, I think. 
Yeah, I like it. That's true. Mm-hmm. By boredom, really, because, you know, I try so many different things, like we said, with the 3D printing and everything else is because we live in a world really with, we have access to all these resources, all these learning resources, and you can pretty much become a master at anything as long as you have the motivation to do it. And in reality, I am constantly researching new hobbies or new tasks. Like right now, I know that I am doing gardening and cooking actually too, because really cooking is already integrated a lot in my life. And I've been trying my hand at that, but honestly, it does revolve around boredom. And now in terms of mastery, I never really, that doesn't mean I start doing one thing and I just keep doing that thing until I become a master at it. No. And and in fact, I'm not really a master of anything right now, but it's a matter of constantly doing things until they pique your interest enough to where you keep doing it. And right. And at least in terms of my experience and that revolves around a bunch of other things too, but honestly, I've done so many different things because I'm bored and I just get curious about it. And I I know whenever pandemic year, like 2020 started and work died down a little bit and all that, people were getting interested in learning coding and other tech related skills. And I decided to do that. And I found that that avenue, at least, especially with websites and everything else was a perfect field to tap into that kind of motivation, that kind of interest, because it's something that is constantly evolving is constantly changing. And that honestly just gives me a lot of room in order to grow as a person and to keep pursuing new things. I really, I really like your point too, Gregory, this last part about learn, like being able to learn new things and mm-hmm. grow. Cause I feel like to me where I would tap into mastery, it would, it's for that growth piece. I feel like mm-hmm. being able to have open mind about, okay, I'm going to try this or I'm going to learn this, or I can do this a little bit better keeps your mind not finite, not like there's an end, like this is the end and I've done it and I'm an expert and I'm perfect at it. Like that's not a thing. Right. I and think I can learn something new about something. Yeah. And kind and, of evolve and grow. Right. And people are motivated by that. I'm not saying that there's people that are not like, I know I did a lot of my high school days around kids that went into STEM and mm-hmm. they're very motivated with like this one specific thing that they want to do. But also I think that can be very limiting depending on the person. And I found it very limiting, this pressure to be a specialist in one thing. And, you know, that kind of pressure and to go into something and, you know, you're going to do this one thing, you're going to be an expert at it, and you're going to basically spend your whole life doing this one thing, this one profession, or whatever it is that you do. But in reality, I don't think that humans really were meant to do that. Right. Granted, we do have our specialized skills. Sure. And... Yeah, of course. And we have our hobbies and things like that. But, you know, humans are just generally curious and they tend to create things naturally. And I think the stress from being specialized and revolving your whole identity, your whole profession around this one thing can be stressful for some people. I I can't speak for everybody, of course, but I find that really 
this is why I really struggle with college and all that too, is, you know, dedicating all your time on to this one thing. I found that to be stressful or in reality, we have more access to information than, you know, in history like this, these days we have more access to any topic that we want. And I just think that dedicating yourself to one thing can be very limiting in terms of that. Like you're not really unlocking your potential potentially. You know, I think it's so interesting because when you talk about boredom, to me, boredom and complacency are like evil twins, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and we talk about, you know, the struggle with complacency. How do we keep things fresh? And if we are not creating these environments that encourage self-motivation, then we're not pinpointing what really motivates people that feeling that a bit that kind of like you're progressing towards complacency because you're bored like you're just spinning your wheels right you're doing the same thing every day like you have to mix it up you have to have a little bit of something that encourages self-motivation because if not you're just punching in and punching out right? right like and when that happens we aren't doing our best work we are making mistakes small little mistakes because uh, complacency is a killer. It's a definitely a killer in it for uh, those of us in the creative field. It's a very dangerous place to be. And so when you, when you say boredom, I hear complacency because I think that that's what we're trying to combat against is like, how do we keep our environment one where self-motivation is not only encouraged, but it's expected because we know it's a critical component of drive. Right. And, you know, I think it would be really important to create environments to where you can allow people to grow and explore. And, and whatever that may be, I don't think every industry has room for that, depending right. on what we it is. About that. We did. It's yes. with economy too. We As, and that's the thing too, is, you know, professionals in marketing or tech or whatever it is, they always have the room uh, to talk about flexibility, work from home, exploring new interests and things like that. But not every industry has that. And not every necessary industry has that too. Some people, you know, trades, for example, they do have to be experts in their field and or like specialized in it. And I'm not saying that the motivation of exploring new things, like not every workplace has the room for that. But I think still trying to give opportunities for people to grow. Off of what Gregory is saying, I feel like to be devil's advocate, as much as not, obviously every company and organization is the same and they can't necessarily have the same offerings. Right. I feel like for larger companies, companies, for example, that may not be able to be as flexible or whatever it is through autonomy or the mastery or the whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. I still feel like it's not like an easy out to like not, take a stronger look at your people, right? Yeah, I still right. don't, that's like, oh, well, they can't do it. Well, you know, there. this is a really great article. I know we're going to share this too, but how to build intrinsically motivated teams. And this is mm-hmm. really the whole ba- basis of this series. And, you know, one of the things, the very first thing is trying out 10% time. Mm-hmm. And that's giving team members a chance to spend 10% of their working time on a project of their own choice. Now that could fall outside or inside of their day-to-day work, but it offers benefits to your business. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're taking that 10% time and you're going to the spa 
Right, right. But you're taking that 10% time and you're working on a project that's still one that motivates you as an individual. It's still something new, Mm -hmm. but it is still benefiting the business somehow. I think that you can work that into almost any field if you're looking at it being beneficial to the business and people do that. That's why larger businesses offer tuition reimbursement, for example, or professional development. I mean, you know, doctors have credentials and certifications yeah. they have to keep up and things like that. I mean, I think that there is a way to work that in. There is a warning here, and I think it's a really good warning. A team that is already very busy and overworked or that is facing a crisis may not welcome the 10% and may even see it as an additional burden. So your team's already maxed out. You're not looking at taking the 10% out of what they already do. You're tacking it on. Yeah you know, and that becomes 10% more work then. So this, you can be shared by senior management. If you're currently behind on your core targets, think carefully about whether the strategy is feasible for your team and when it's best to introduce it. I think that we could implement 10%. I think we do implement 10%. Yeah, I agree. In our team, you know, Greg and I were talking about this last week because Google's platform came out with app development software and so when something like that comes up, I immediately send it to Greg because I know he's going to be the one on our team that's like, okay, let me think about the tr- the real life application of this and then probably yeah. going to research it and decide how we can actually apply it. And I think that is because we know that he's motivated. We know that you're motivated by mastery, mm-hmm. Greg. And so when the team requires someone that is motivated by mastery, then you know, and they call that developing Goldilocks tasks, which is so interesting. That is interesting. Goldilocks tasks, tasks are the tasks that are either neither too hard nor too easy, but just right for the right person. So having the flexibility to say, okay, this might be in my job description, but honestly, it's a Goldilocks task for you, Hill. It's just right for you yeah. because of the specifics, you know. Oh, and we do that a lot necessarily. Mm-hmm. And you have to have an environment in a team that communicates well, because that can really feel like you hear people talking about, oh, I don't want to step on somebody's toes. Mm-hmm. But you have to be willing to do that if you're, if you care about the idea and the result, because Giving it to someone just because it's in their job description and ignoring someone who would honestly be a better fit for it because that is what motivates them is a mistake. Chantel, this comes back, say it because I know you've preached it before and it's so true. That pebble. Oh yeah, no, it's the difference. The the difference between a pebble on a mountain is who you choose to move it. And I feel like this goes in line with that. It's true. Like I'm looking for my pebbles Mm -hmm. in life. And you know, not that I don't want to move mountains, but honestly, who the wants to do that? I, I don't. I mean, a lot of people, they want to share on Instagram as a quote and then it kind of stops. You yeah, know? like, oh, I'm a mountain mover. Like, really? <laughs> like, your whole life. I, I, never, I never really understand the motivation of doing something because it's hard really. Um, oh, I don't especially, especially now these days we have tool, uh, we have access to tools that makes tasks so much easier. And, you know, just because, you know, I'm motivated by mastery or boredom, whatever you like to call it, doesn't mean I'm going to search for the hardest way to do it. So, well, and I think, okay, so this, let's talk about this a little deeper because one of our core values is hard work is the best work, Mm -hmm. but we don't mean like, but we're still working smarter that we, you know, you don't, there is no glory found in working so hard that you're burnt out. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. being committed 
is different than just like running yourself into the ground. And I think there is this glorification of I'm going to do it this the hardest way possible because I want to be validated by the fact that I worked hard. When in reality, you can balance that. You can say, work on a project that was fit for you and you still gave it everything that you had. Right. But Gregory and I can work on the exact same project and our hard work looks different. Yeah. He's working hard and getting a lot further maybe because it's in his wheelhouse. It's his Goldilocks task. I am working hard to stay alive and to continue breathing. Yeah. That is not the same. Those aren't the same. Absolutely. It's not the same. It's not the same name. Yeah. And, you know, with the, when we say hard work is the best work, you know, that doesn't mean going to find the hardest way to do it. Really what it means is you have a full divided attention to this task and, or, or this project. Like it is completely focused. We have our best creative minds working on it. Like that is the hard work and which becomes the best work. But like you say, if we don't have the right mindset or the right people working on a project, the hard work is going to look different. It's uh, quite honestly, it's not going to look as good. And, you know, and also when you find the hardest methods to do certain projects and all that too, you, you can probably have this internalized glory of doing something because it's hard, but your paycheck stays the same, you know? And, you know, the result could be much better if you explored other methods to do it. And I think that's part of mastery too, is, you know, you always got to think of the end result of whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and exploring other methods to achieve the best result. And I think there is this weird culture of people I guess feel guilty or they're kind of shy from the easy routes to, in order to get something done. And this particularly, I had a conversation one time with a um, senior software developer and um, from another business, another company, but he's been in the business for years. And, you know, I told him a little bit about what I do and, you know, he's like, yeah, no, I, I build websites. He's like, oh, okay. It's like, uh, through what? Like, I use WordPress with like plugins and things like that. I don't, I, I rarely touch other languages like HTML, CSS and all that. He's like, oh, okay. I can see how you can, you know, trick clients into like thinking that's like professional work. And I'm just like, no, like I don't do traditional coding because it's not fast enough. And, you know, I'm the only guy doing it. So, and. And the end result is the, sometimes better. The end result is better. I have I have seen websites developed by like old guys who only do coding or just managed by other. It looks like shit, and you know. <laughs> no, we hit explicit. We like yeah. <laughs> yes, it, they look like garbage. And honestly, like at the end of the day, when your client sees a product that they they enjoy, and you know, it's you know, it's the best that you can do. Like, who cares how you did it? You know, well, like. <laughs> This to me brings up a really good point, Greg, because I think sometimes people think that mastery and expertise are the same thing and they covet Mm -hmm. being an expert in something and they create a dependency, an unnecessary dependency on an antiquated process so that no one can do it and they work their way into job job dependency and job need. And to me, it is something that we have always promised we would not do to our clients. If we build a website for you, you should be able to run that website, whether we are a part of the process anymore or not. Right. And if you are building someone a website that 
if you die, no one else can touch it or it has to be built from scratch. You haven't actually provided a service. You've created a dependency. Exactly. And we don't like to hold on to business just because someone is dependent on us. Yeah. Right. And, you know, there are definitely places for, you know, traditional professionals and all that too. But we, we see this across the board with other industries, especially with, you know, avenues of creativity that we work on, like photography, videography, and things like that. Quickly with advancing iPhone technologies, I know the iPhone 13, iPhone 12 cameras made professional videographers and photographers punch the air because really it made their thousands of dollars of equipment obsolete. Like you don't need to, you know, invest in so much more equipment anymore in order to be called a professional. Now, granted, people still sometimes have that viewpoint or stigma of you show up with a gimbal and iPhone, then they're like, are you really a professional videographer, photographer? But in reality, you know, it's becoming easier for people to do fantastic work. And I think that has, you know, so-called professionals and experts kind of scared because, you know, they are, of course, individuals in their field and it makes them stand out. But when it gets to the point where, advancing technologies are, uh, I, I won't say siphoning out professionals or experts, but it's bringing a lot more people in to do what they do. Right. And because I think if you feel like you are being pushed out or like losing work because of, you know, advancing technologies, then you were not very creative in your field to begin with because professionals and experts will always find a way to adapt and to separate themselves from competitors in their field, uh, despite all the new people coming in. But that reminds me, it's, <laughs> I think Sean Murphy will be okay with me sharing this story, but it reminds me of like Friday night we were at Sip and Stroll mm -hmm. and he, he and I are very good friends. You guys know that. And he, he's brilliant, like mm -hmm. beyond there is, there is nothing that I can do with my iPhone that is ever, I don't care how much technology is involved, that's ever going to be better, better than what he can do yeah. with an antiquated piece of antique, you know, yeah. you know, camera or whatever. But the iPhone gave me confidence. And what was so crazy is he was, our friend Maxine had asked, you know, will you take my picture? And I was standing right next to him and I pull out my new iPhone 13. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll totally do that. And I looked over at him and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so, like he had his camera and I'm like, no, no, no. She definitely meant you. Oh, <laughs> you know, but I came right with your iPhone 13 because it's amazing yes. at taking photos. And, and it gave me this confidence. And I had been playing with it for a little bit. And the quality is certainly there. It is never because he has that creativity in his field that you're talking about, Greg. I, I and he both know the quality of my camera is never going to be there. But it is creating this like false confidence. Like, oh, I have this iPhone. It's new. I can do anything yeah. with it. And I just kind of had to check myself for a minute because no matter what device I'm pointing in that direction my artistic value is not there yeah. so as long as you are honing your craft you can keep up but so many people are not willing to do that so many people right. are not Sean Murphy you know they're not going to be doing that right and so. you know people like Sean Murphy like you know they they have something that a lot of people don't have and you know that's their approach to their profession like right. their own unique approach. Like that is what defines, especially freelancers or just anybody in their field is like their own unique approach to it. Especially since we're unfortunate with all this access to technology and information and being able to research and learn anything, there's not always a influx of new ideas or new things coming out. 
but people's own unique approach to what they do and what they practice is what separates them from other people and their attitude about going about it. The people who feel threatened by new individuals in their field and everything else don't, they know they don't have a unique approach to their field that separates them or makes them unique in their, what they do. And also having the confidence to do that. And that's the thing with like the, like you said, with the iPhones is, you know, more and more people are getting into this so-called professional or like not even trying to do it professionally. They just become more confident being able to take great photos. I think you're bringing up a good point. And I, I think we're coming full circle here on the mastery that, that it is mm-hmm. like, you know, offering these, you know, intrinsic motivation that is not always like promotion-based and monetary-based, right? Mm-hmm. So many of us are not motivated by that. And, and that's really what we're covering in this series with autonomy and mastery and purpose is that we are hopefully working towards an environment where people feel enabled, enabled to be intrinsically motivated. And you can marry your desired motivation with mastery and have the time to develop this artistic and creative mm-hmm. approach that is uniquely yours, that, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, earth shaking or mountain moving, but it does, it is enough that whatever you do, if it motivates just you and no one else, that is enough. Yes. And also like, you don't, you don't have to monetize your interests. You don't, well. talk about you, you don't need, you don't need to monetize everything. And there's always this weird thing. And I know you've experienced this with your pottery and I'm guilty of asking you this too. And all that is like, when are you going to start selling your, your creations or whatever? It's like, sometimes they just like, don't want to, you know, like, and I know with my writing, I know one thing I've learned from publishing my first book is I really didn't appreciate people's viewpoint on whenever I got started on it. When I Published it. I was just excited that I made something and I was able to share it with people. Unfortunately, sometimes the best way to share it is to, you know, sell a copy or whatever. But people were always like, Ooh, yeah, uh, I want to sign book. And I signed the book and they're like, I'm going to have this for whenever you get famous, whatever. It's like, I guess like they mean well, but also like I'm just making it to share. Like I don't care about fame. I don't care about the monetization of it or like how rich it can make me. I just want to you know write for people to enjoy and know that like i made this thing and it's always this weird standpoint like especially with artists i feel like artists struggle a lot with this like they would paint or sculpt or make something and people are like oh okay um you know it's like how much is this going for it's like are you planning to do this for a living or anything else like just because you're doing something doesn't mean you're going to turn it into a profession or side hustle right (laughs) Exactly. Not everything has to be a side hustle. And like, like you said in the beginning, I did start my own business and, you know, I ended up not doing it because, you know, I'm not a hustler. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm really not. And also like, I hate, I really despise hustle culture because it's this pressure of, you know, monetizing your life. You don't need to monetize your entire life. Just do things that you enjoy doing and you pursuing mastery and whatever you do, motivation should come from the end result and how much you enjoy from it or the amount of joy you take from it well i don't know so. if i can add to that to make that better what do you think <laughs> <laughs> no 
I think that's totally true and exactly what we're talking about and finding your intrinsic motivation and how is that helping you as a person and and how is that helping you in the workplace? So, Greg, that was a lot. Thank you so much. I yeah, I, I ranted a little, but no, but it's good. No, we needed that. We need to hear that. Mm-hmm. And we need to hear it from the perspective of someone who is motivated by mastery. Next week, we're going to talk about purpose. And this is my personal motivation. If I had to guess, I would think Hill, it's your personal motivation. Yeah. You think so? Of the three? Of the three, for sure. 100%. Yeah. There's no question. It can, be, it can get frustrating, though. Oh, <laughs> can get frustrating. Yeah. But if I'm honest, it's definitely my um, my motivation. So you have to join us next week for this frustrating conversation <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> um, it was so funny because last week when we were doing autonomy, I kind of felt like neither one of us are motivated by autonomy. Yeah. And I was like, what? Who in the hell could we have talked to during that? You know what I mean? <laughs> but we so we're just trying, you know, trudging along and. So that's with Gregory. It was like, okay, I, yes, we need to bring someone who is motivated by mastery. And, and if you are motivated by mastery and you're listening to this, we definitely want to hear from you because I feel like it's a unique motivation mm-hmm. and they all three are, but, and you're, you're not like just tied to one. Some people are motivated by money and mm-hmm. mastery, money and purpose, you know, like validation and autonomy, like, it, well, you know, and I feel like money can get it gets all tangled in, in the weeds, right? Because things take money, obviously. Yes. So to say you don't want it at all, it's like, well, yeah, I know, like I would do it for free, but I also have to have a home. You yes. know what I mean? So it gets yeah. frustrating because it's really not the motivator. People just assume it is because it takes money. But it's to do necessary. Because it's necessary. It's so necessary. Yeah. People, people who are 100% motivated by money become business majors. That's what they do. So... Oh. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a fourth series. Attacking. I was just kidding. <laughs> business majors, but might edit that one out, but we'll see. No, no, I liked it. I love it. I know a business major. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a fun one. Thank you guys for joining me on this episode. Uh, next week we're going to be together talking about purpose. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you have any questions for us, please email us hello at francisrory.com. And again, we have a new platform. You can listen to pot on Amazon Music, but we also have a new website, yes. uh, design and layout. Thanks to Greg and Rin and Janae. And honestly, the entire team has worked on this. Everybody has touched it. Gorgeous. But it's our same website, francisroy.com. You can see a little bit of mastery there and how the team has been really motivated to bring that to life. So thank you for listening to us every Monday. We will be back next week with purpose on purpose. Yeah. Purpose on purpose. Thanks guys. Thank you.